Welcome to the Leadership Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Jono White. I'm the founder and principal consultant of Clarity. We are an Australian-based consultancy that works with leaders around the world, and our passion is to invest in people to become everything they're meant to be in order to fill the world with healthy organizations that people love to work for and customers line up to buy from. The goal of this podcast is to invest in you and your leadership. If you're just joining us for the first time, then feel free to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there. The most popular being our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from around the world in all different sectors give their in-depth answers on leadership, what books they love, what they found most challenging, uh, the most meaningful stories, how they how they structure their time through the day. That's free, so go and check it out. And we'd love to interview you about your leadership. I believe you have advice from your experience, your context, and your life so far that is important and can help other leaders. It's also a great way to give back. It's free to get involved, and you can do so by going to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest, or just Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form that pops up. We have a free resource for you on our website. It's called Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57-page ebook. It has interviews with 10 world-class leaders, and you can go to consultclarity.org. It's right at the top and get that today. Uh, we also have a daily email that we send out to over 15,000 leaders, and that email contains the highlights, our best content from our podcasts, our blog, uh, my book, uh, the books that we're loving that are out there about leadership, it's also the best way to get access to our masterclasses and workshops before anyone else. And there's also exclusive and limited uh, special options just for subscribers. And you can subscribe by going to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe. Now, my gift to you is to work incredibly hard to provide the best leadership content I can to invest in you and your leadership. So if you're finding our content helpful, if you find this podcast helpful, then your gift to me uh, could be this. If you, if you do find it helpful, then write a review or rate our content and make sure you subscribe or follow. I can't emphasize enough how helpful that is. It really does help us to get the word out there so we can invest in more leaders to become everything they're meant to be. It also means a lot to me personally when people like you and people in our community share our content on social media. So if you do that, then please do look for me, Jono White, to tag me and look to tag Clarity uh, on whatever platform you're on. And our team, including me, I, I'm always looking to see when people have mentioned us so that I can engage with you. And also we look at sharing content. So if you if you write something about something we've done, there's also a good chance we'll share that with our followers. So if you could do that, that is a massive, massive help as we try to invest in as many leaders as we can around the world. Last of all, you can check out my book about how to deal with difficult people even if you hate conflict. It's called Step Up or Step Out. It's available on Amazon. You can just look up Step Up or Step Out John O'White or you can go to store.consultclarity.org forward slash book and check it out there. I 
have coached leader after leader after leader. And in more than 50% of the sessions, this topic comes up. How do I deal with this person? I'm finding it really difficult. And, and I just want to find a way that doesn't blow up to do a really, just to have a difficult conversation, to lead them better. How do I do that? There's a three-step process that I outline in this book that I believe can help you. Okay, let's get into today's episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Enjoy. Welcome to another episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Today's guest is Kathleen Negley. Kathleen is the head of school at the International School of Helsinki. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Shana, for having me. Yes, I've been looking forward to chatting with you, Kathleen. Firstly, can you tell us a little bit about the school and about your role as head of school? It's, it's an interesting role. So I'm an international school leader. And so that means I'm, I, I am running um, a school, but not just the educational piece, but I'm running as a CEO of the company as well. So I have two two roles, really two large roles, and, and that's um, you know dealing with the finances and business end of running an international school that is mainly targeted for glo global expats and diplomats, and then I have my educational leadership trying to lead a school towards um, what I believe is a, a future-focused vision of education. So uh, my days are often quite strange actually as to um the type of work that i would be dealing with yeah that's i i have found uh it fascinating working with school leaders not coming from education as a sector every time i work with school leaders i do find the the structure the just how time poor your um uh, you know often your leaders are because there's it's, so as an example just trying to find time for different meetings because other jobs, even though there's always a lot on people's plates, it's rare that you have people who literally, um, you know, if you're wanting to get everyone together, so many people are committed to, you know, you've got all these young stakeholders who have to be, you know, supervised. So I find schools really fascinating yes. and uh, the leadership dynamics in schools, the principles, I believe, uh, cross over with every other sector, but the unique way that plays out in a school environment sort of caught me by surprise when I first started um, working with educators. It's, I often have very funny days, I, I think. Um, you know, sometimes I'll have this very serious meeting with the architects as we're working on our, our new annex project. And then I'll have a knock at the door and there'll be a four-year-old standing there with one shoe who barely speaks English. They'll say, shoe, like they're lost. They lost their shoe. And like, oh, okay. And I'm running out um, out in the hallway and, and doing push-ups, looking underneath the, the lockers to find this child's shoe so she can go home. So it's, it's, it's just a bizarre mix of very serious, difficult meetings oftentimes because I'm the person yes. that you often come to with the, the biggest troubles. But at the same time, I have this beautiful access to working with young people who could care less what my title that's is. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's uh, beautifully and, put. and sometimes I think I'm just a person who opens the door in the morning, who stands there, I'm the, I'm the door greeter. <laughs> I think that's my job. 
That's right. That's all they. That sometimes that's all they see, uh, because yeah, you're spending your time in in a lot of those meetings with people where it's actually escalated to to need Kathleen involved. Uh, absolutely. So I'm I'm really excited to hear some of your story. Let's start by uh, you know I, I want you to think back to your childhood and growing up. What were some of the moments from that season of your life that really shaped you into the person and a leader you are today? Well, I would I would say when I tell my story, I think people are are surprised about kind of my journey into leadership that I would not have been the person that you would have thought would have entered. I grew up in a in a home in which we were working class and sometimes maybe working class poor. My mother never graduated high school. Um, she was a refugee, uh, born in a refugee camp from World War II. My father was a Vietnam War veteran who came back with, with, with a lot of issues um, from his experiences during the war. And it was not, it was no one's aspirations I would even make it to college. And um, so just from the start, um, my, my schooling and um, my time as a young person, I think people would have not even remembered me. I was the person that you forgot their name, I would say. And somewhere along the line, um, I came into my own. And I often talk my, about my first moment of leadership really was when I was working uh, as a summer job on a, on a painting crew, an outdoor homes painting crew. And I was, um, I was made the foreman of that crew and I, I sometimes point that as my first moment of leadership, um, as I was the only one who would climb uh, the tallest ladder. And the tallest ladder in US measurements is about 40, 40 feet. So they call it the 40 foot ladder, which is about three stories high. And um, I, you know, it's, it's an interesting kind of dynamic, I think, as a, uh, as a metaphor oftentimes for my leadership that it was this my ability to take risks and overcome fears um, that led me up to to work on that ladder. Um, and I often say, you know, once I was at the top, you can see far into the distance. Um, and I, I think my strength as a leader is this combination of risk and the ability to, to, to vision or envision what's coming next and where we need to go. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love that um, picture of where you started, uh, you know, remembering back to the willingness, having the being willing to confront your fears and to climb the ladder um, was the, you know, a starting point for you in leadership, because yeah, there, there is so much of that in, in leadership. Um, I, I find that there is a pattern where great leaders um, who were doing amazing things often point to at least one, but there's usually multiple times where they go, you know what, I, I probably, um, no one really wanted that opportunity or no one really would have chosen to take that role, but it, it was, it was on the table and, or I put my hat in the ring for it, even though it wasn't a guarantee or as someone's shared on the podcast, I can't remember who it was, but they said, um, their first real leadership role, their, their boss had sort of asked multiple other people who had said no and so they were the last pick yes and that was really where they got their start they're doing amazing things now 
and and it's that willingness isn't that willingness to face your fears and step out is is a massive part of uh every leader's journey i do some training for women in leadership in my field and, and this is often the point we talk about um, many women who are teachers um, who should be entering in leadership who have all the competencies and skills often do not and there's this there's this there's this fear piece um, combined with how others will see them as if taking taking that moment of leadership or taking charge um, lessens them amongst their peers and, and I often talk about this willingness to me this willingness has to be committed or, or combined with your values. And if your values are incredibly strong about um, the type of uh, changes you want to see in your organization, this is the piece I, I try to kind of reemphasize with them that, you know, many of the, the, the women I speak to have a, a very strong vision of what might need to change in education. I was like, that, that's the why. That's the why you're moving forward. And to do that, you have to move yourself out of this comfort zone of a, a small team or a, a, just your own class even um, and, and take that forward. And so to me, I, you know, this idea that you have this willingness combined with values is, is how I think great changes and important changes can, can happen in any organization. Yeah, I, I really like how you've put that willingness, uh, but also values. That's that's um, that's so good. In your journey, so that's uh, I really appreciate the insight into, as you said, people may not have even remembered you from uh, from school, and and um, tell us a little bit about your journey from there to now. <laughs> I know that's um, there's a lot to that, and yeah. we can jump back in and, and ask you about some more specifics, but. Yeah, what was your journey from that point to, to end up doing what you're doing now? And you, you you spoke about falling into leadership or falling into jobs, and this is for me as well. I, I, uh, I went to college uh, to study geography and urban studies, um, not a typical field for those who would maybe enter into educational leadership one day for sure. Um, and uh, right out of right out of college, I got married, and um, my husband um, got this offer for the other side of the country. I was I grew up in Philadelphia area, and we moved to New Mexico, um, which was uh, mainly working with uh, indigenous local populations, uh, Navajo, Native Americans, Pueblo people. And uh, when, I, when I was there, there, there was no job opportunities for my field. I ended up substitute teaching uh, and then eventually was hired as a, a social studies teacher. And um, along the way, um, I, I became a history teacher and, and uh, picked up some other gigs. But the big kind of opportunity that came to us was that we met some um, some friends who had been in Europe in this post-Soviet era in the mid-1990s. And a lot of Americans and expats from around the world were, were, were going to these regions. They were in their, their early 20s and were there to um, teach English and kind of be part of the rebuilding of uh, Central and Eastern Europe. So we ended up in Hungary. Um, my grandmother was a Holocaust survivor, 
from Hungary and had not returned since she had fled in the middle of the night in the 40s when the Soviets had taken over. So she had survived the concentration camp, went back to Budapest um, to find her, her home destroyed and the Soviets had marched in and it's at one point she decided to leave. And so me going to Europe was this return of our family to the region as well. And I was hoping to find uh, some family members, which, which didn't happen, which didn't happen when I was there in the, in the mid nineties. But um, so I started having very interesting experiences um, as, as an educator. Uh, for a short while, I went back to the, to the US again, and I taught in Southern California um, in a dangerous um, school that I, I used to say felt like um, guns, drugs, and helicopters. And I, I really kind of honed my craft in, 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 a, in a community like that. Wow. And I loved those students and we created this very safe place. I understood how it was to create safety with a team, with others. And um, later ended up teaching history in Estonia. Um, and again, kind of still in this kind of post-Soviet space. Uh, eventually I became uh, an upper school principal and then the director of that school. And a few years later, I don't know, five, six years later, um, I ended up in Helsinki and I was recruited north. Um, there's this, a short um, ferry ride between the two countries, uh, between Estonia and Finland. Yeah, in in incredible. Um, what a, I, I love that your story, like you said, started with um, not even in education and, and you've ended up really finding your, your passion. Um, who were some of the mentors along the way, some of the leaders who, as you reflect, either from afar or from working closely with them, influenced you the most and taught you the most about leadership? Unfortunately, a lot of my leadership, um, first entrance into leadership, I had, uh, I had really no one. So the, the first school I, I ran in Estonia, um, the, the director of the school had stepped down and um, I had put my, my foot forward. The school was in financial trouble and I thought I could fix the problem of, about um, and, and change the model financially. And even though this was not my background. Um, and so I, I put forward to the board, hire me for a year as an interim and let me see if I can turn the ship around. And um, so I found myself never having the role. I had no uh, educational training uh, in leadership at that moment. I had no financial training, um, but I'm, I'm, I'm a committed learner. And I, you know, hit the books on, on a lot of topics. And um, I ended up taking over, um, you know, the uh, kind of, or changing the direction of the school. And the school um, went, you know, towards the right path. And we ended up becoming one of the most innovative schools in Europe uh, during, the, during the, the early 2000s. 10 2015 error and um wow. i was able to yeah figure it out and i didn't really have anyone and one of the reasons i end up doing women in leadership trainings and retreats now is because i, I found myself 
so lonely during that time that there wasn't somebody I could turn to. So I've created networks now so that women like myself, especially women, find themselves in in very strange situations in school leadership because they're often the one that is tapped when the school is in jeopardy. So there's this, Mm. we talk about this glass ceiling idea, but it's really a glass cliff where women are often (laughs) finding themselves in their first leadership in a very dangerous kind of position where they have very little experience and financial or other reasons, the school or the, the community is being rocked by some, some reason. Um, so I was on my own. Over time since then, one of, the, one of my heroes in leadership is a woman named Ellen Stern, who was one of the first international school leaders, female leaders. She retired in her early 80s. She's still alive now and sometimes does consultations. But she was this firecracker of a woman when I met her when she was about, I don't know, 79 or 80. And she was just a, um, just a beautiful, um, realistic um, leader who, you know, could, could, could laugh at the, at the troubles that we sometimes face um, and the absurdity of our job at times. Um, And um, just kind of looking for pathways for um, how you how you meet your vision, how you keep that vision of a school, and um, not losing sight. Yeah, that's um, that's incredible, and I can only imagine finding you know being in that position where you really felt so, um, I guess, on your own, starting out as a leader. Uh, I it, it's interesting though. One thing that entrepreneurs talk a lot about is. Um, that the if you want to start something and you don't know what to start but you know that you you think you have an entrepreneurial sort of passion it's to actually look look at yourself or look back at yourself 10 years ago and think what what helped me or what's the thing that got me from where i was to where i am and uh, or what's what's the biggest pain point that i um have had and i can hear that in your story it's it's very entrepreneurial that you you went it, this is very lonely and there there should be there has to be uh, places for uh, women in leadership in schools to go so they're not alone and they don't feel lonely and so if they are you know at this glass <laughs> like this you said the, the cliff right, rather than the ceiling that they can have yes. support so that they can navigate it and not um, uh, not not fall and, and then potentially be scarred and not want to um, uh, try again yeah not continue and what's 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 interesting is that the COVID era has changed that completely because we all went online um, in the educational um, you know stratosphere um, and we found each other. Um, so ten years ago, there weren't those sort of internet networks. Um, there wasn't um, you know educational Twitter is 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 highly active. Um, so now, you know, if I needed someone or some idea, I could put something out and I would be, you know, have a response probably in, in a couple hours of like 10 great names of people to contact who'd be willing to, you know, answer a question or, or talk to me. Um, and which is just amazing now. And now, you know, my, my leadership journey has taken me to a, glo- a global stage on um on social media in many ways because I can share these learnings quite easily and you know I can be guests on podcasts and webinars and, and talk about 
strategies and you know people can find me and an incredible difference so in this you know this covid era how that changed i think in terms of networking mm. at least yeah uh, i i agree i i get so um i'm just so excited for the future of leadership not just in schools but uh i, I think for me i love that you do retreats uh, for women in leadership and and i recently i've been thinking a lot about my own leadership journey and and sure enough the biggest the biggest real aha moment i had in revelation for me as a leader which is really where i started clarity my um leadership consulting came it it, it really uh, was solidified at this one uh week-long retreat that i was a part of and i think uh that's that's always that that's always always been the case for a long time but the opportunities now which COVID has really sped up because everyone had to um change you know faster than ever before and so it, it brought a lot of things forward yes there's so many opportunities because I think that's one of the biggest things about leadership is that um, it's it's very it can be very lonely and even in different sectors um, it can feel very lonely and and if you have feel like you have a community and you have people that you can uh, who are, are sounding board particularly outside of your organization that's that's just such a powerful support for a leader um and uh and so yeah i'm so excited to hear that's been your experience through covid and and for me it just it feels and and i think for many people and probably for yourself it feels therapeutic to help others um in in their journey um because we get to a point where we are able to see patterns um more clearly you know the the older I get, I, I'm hoping I'm getting a little bit wiser and I can see how things play out and understand the politics of situations a, a little bit more closely and can kind of, you know, sometimes show that the dangers ahead and the opportunities too that someone might be able to um, consider. And uh, it just feels that um, in being part of that community, feels that it's it's a healing journey i think as well absolutely uh i'm interested to ask kathleen as you reflect on starting out as a leader when you were very much having to figure things out on your own in that first opportunity that you talked about are there any stories from that year like that must have been such a swimming in the deep end experience for you um are there any stories that come to mind of big <laughs> against the odds wins or mega you know like that yeah as uh tim ferris says your favorite failures i love that as well because we all have things where we go wow i learned so much by doing that and oh my goodness i'll, I'll never do that again any any stories that come to mind yeah and, and i totally agree and i think you have to go through the failures to understand um what happens next um you know oftentimes in in um leading and, and, and managing of teams, you'll get pressure when there's a member of your team who is maybe not high performing. And uh, the, I think the pressure when I was first a leader that you'd have these people say, you know, you need to fire this person, you get rid of this person. And um, there's a lot of pressure that suddenly, suddenly you have all the power and you're going to make, the, you make these decisions very quickly. Um, and, you know, I, I made some decisions about moving uh, some teachers who actually did, I did not fire, but one teacher actually left. Um, and I understand now how I was played into that 
into that role. Like that, you know, it, it wasn't to my benefit as a leader to um, take on the kind of maybe the, I wouldn't say revenge, but the the attitudes of some that, you know, you needed to make a quick decision on someone. I, 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 so I, I made some decisions and uh, some people were very, very unhappy. And the way that split morale of the school later on and how they saw me then as being maybe um, impulsive, that I would make these decisions, that they weren't, I had not kind of uh, shown the rationale well enough. So like I got burned in, in a number of times, but um, th those those experiences I think have to happen. Now I would be more likely to try to figure out, um, I, would be, I would be more likely to approach a teacher who's underperforming in, in a coaching strategy than I would be in a, um, in a performance dismissal strategy. And, yes. you know, I've realized over the years that, you know, some, sometimes people are really shining at some point in their career, but for whatever reason, they might not be shining in their current role. And maybe it's a, it's a mismatch. Um, maybe they feel that something has happened in the past where they don't feel valued anymore or they don't feel the work is meaningful. So I want to do my best to, to deep dive into that first and get to know that person, understand where they are. And, and in schools, we have, we have, you know, members of staff that might be in a school for 30 years. And, and when I talk to people now about how you, you lead others and leading adults and, you know, all of us in our, in our 30 or 40 year career are going to have ups and downs. And sometimes those ups and downs are terrible. You know, I have every year I have, I have teachers come to me with cancer diagnoses. Every year I have those who's parents are dying in another country and or their, or their child is having severe issues is on suicide watch and all sorts of you know stories where I am the holder of secrets as well and so you know I need to make sure I'm creating an empathetic um, organization that when you your life has that turn and all of us will have this all of us will face suffering maybe multiple times over a lifetime um, are we there for that person are we are we building in the structures that when you need someone's help there really is true help and compassion for you at that moment um, or if you are you are having mental health struggles that we're helping you work through things or sometimes just figuring out where's a better place for that person in the organization. And of course that doesn't work for everyone. You know, it's not a hundred percent. And there's some, some people who will never be a good fit at your school. And that's having also conversations about how they might need to move on because maybe their values don't meet, meet your values as to what your organization is about. And that's fine, but that can be done in a way that feels also helpful to that person. And, you know, there are times where I'm, I'm helping someone get another job at another school. And, and I can be, you know, someone who is helping them navigate that as well. Um, so I believe looking at your team, looking at your community through the light of this deep, humane lens um, will serve you more than, than any checklist of observations or performance reports knowing the people mm. that you're with, knowing their lives, um, and, you know, being that, that coach, um, being that, 
that um, person who has seen a lot um, and um, helping them through um, that stage of, of their life really oftentimes. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I agree. And I think, um, I think uh, the only thing I, I would add or the thing that comes to mind as you share that is that for leaders who are really wanting sometimes you can feel like being compassionate and um, having empathy is, you know, I guess you, it's fighting against the bottom line or fighting against the organization's values. But I, I think a lot of the time there is there is a way that can be learned, which is often a, uh, a trail of mistakes along the way is how you actually learn these things. But there's a way to lead with compassion and empathy and I love Kim Scott's um, book, Radical Candor, because um, it's that idea of b both being high on caring and high on challenging, like a great parent, you know, someone yes. who you know that they've got your back completely and you know they'll tell you straight when something needs to change or if there's feedback. And it's it's both of those things together. That's what a great leader does. And just, just pushing more into that corner of the quadrant where you really go high care and high challenge gets yes. rid of so many of the issues. Like it's not comfortable and it's a rocky road and there's still challenges on the way, but it gets rid of a lot of the fermenting toxic stuff that builds up because um, previous leaders sometimes, if you're coming in to transform something, haven't had the courage yes. to go there in the small moments. So you end up in a big moment, but... I think it is possible to do both, but for me anyway, my my journey, it's it certainly wasn't intuitive for me. I, I certainly had to learn how to how to balance that because when I first tried, I made some big mistakes, and and I think it is I think that is that is necessary for for every leader to to have a go. Absolutely, and I, you know I think this idea of of you know community, the culture of a community, and how it's it is on the the shoulders of the leader to to change culture i believe and, and i think some of that comes from um, the ability to be vulnerable in front of others to tell that authentic story of yourself um but yeah the, the setting the 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 bar high is essential and you know the work i've done in helsinki i you know we've increased our enrollment and became, you know, kind of globally recognized in, in the last four years of my leadership. And that's because when I came into that school, you know, I, I always have aspirations that this is going to be, um, you know, really the best school that I could ever imagine for my child, for another's child. And, you know, connecting again with the values of a community um, and then uh, not letting not letting that stray um, is is a is a formula for excellence. If if the values are important, um, and in our school, we had a we had a change of, of strategy when I came. We did this through community a community method, um, and we ended up saying our mission was three words only: inclusive, challenging, and engaged, and we rely on those words again and again because the bar for each of those words is incredibly high. And I, and I always say that 
um, for me to lead, lead this mission, I have to I have to embrace this at the highest of levels and be a model for that. And that changes how you run a school. To, to be an inclusive school means that you really are going to take on all those 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 children with learning challenges, those with neurodiversity, those who've been ostracized or um, were marginalized in other communities and make a place that is truly a place of belonging. And, and what we know from, from learning is that when, when you feel that you belong, when you feel that it's a place that feels good to be there, um, then your brain is able to do all those challenging and engaged pieces. So if you're missing this, if you're you know, a young person, and I think most of us can look back to experience when we didn't feel like we belonged and how awful that felt on a daily basis. So to lead towards my version of what is the best means that I have to take these pieces into account for all of us. Um, and I have, you know, I have a funny community because it's so international. I would say I have, I have um, families from Saudi Arabia to Sweden, and in in that in that those two S's of Saudi and Swede is the is a whole world of belief systems and values and thoughts about education. Um, but what we do is create a a, a community that is special to us um, where they all feel that they belong and have a place and that we can be a cheerleader for their own identity and their own experience and feel that um, they can bring that to the table and uh, that they're, they're not an outsider uh, in that, that little world of our school. Yeah, absolutely. Belonging is such an amazing uh, it's uh, it really is one of the keys, isn't it? But any community, any leader, if you can help people, I, I think um, one of my favorite ways it's articulated, Patrick Lencioni talks about it in his book about employee engagement, and he describes it uh, as the opposite, as he often does, either talking about dysfunctions or disengagement, and he talks about anonymity. If, if someone ever feels anonymous, mm -hmm. which is the opposite of belonging, right, where no one knows me here, yes. that's when you lose engagement. And I think um, I think people just want to be known, and it's funny how often in my um, coaching sessions with leaders, uh, you know, where you you think, you know, and sometimes we do chat about strategies and um, or high level vision and things. But one of the things that comes up the most, honestly, is just an encouragement for people to get back to connection. And it's amazing what connection does. Like if there's someone in your team, you know, often not always, but often just trying to work on the connection you have with that person, uh, which can just be spending time with them or, you know, um, and telling that to, to uh, leaders in, in management roles or if there's someone where you're really finding it um, challenging to engage with them, then, then ask, you know, how can I make them feel they belong? How can I connect more with them? It's certainly not the answer all the time, but it's amazing how often doing that is part of the answer, I think, or, or part of a, a good approach to trying to lead a person or a team better. I think you're absolutely right. And I think it's often 
it's a step that sometimes we gloss over with, you know, we'll have some kind of welcoming lunch or something. And, it, it, you know, it's, you have these little tiny moments, but maybe not going um, deep enough. And, and it circles back to my own story, as I told that I would be the person when I was in high school that you would forget my name. I, I was this anonymous character in high school. And, and the heart of my teaching has always been to, to not allow for any of my students to be that you know anonymous to to be known and we talk about this a lot at at the school that um, our job first is to get to know um, our students and each other very 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 well um, and there's no belonging if no one knows you um, and you just feel that you're kind of like you know a ghost um, in, a, in a building off doing your thing and, and i know how hard it must be for those um you know business and and other leaders who are online who have you know the office um you know has some detractions but it's i can't imagine you know onboarding a new person completely online um in the past few years how difficult that must have felt and how um oftentimes new workers to a company felt distanced from any sort of community um, and so, you know, how thinking that this is the priority um, for an individual um, is, you know, and you have to take the time to do that and, and overcome obstacles depending on your organization. Um, but there's, there's no meaning in work unless you feel that someone knows you or you feel that you have a sense of belonging in that organization, I think, as well. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Uh, Kathleen, I want to ask about more recent years. You know, we heard about um, that, uh, the sort of start and how you felt like you were played a little bit, which I love the way you express that as well, because that's um, that's something that is, uh, I, for me anyway, it really has been a, a process of, I feel like I've built a uh, built, built up an, an awareness and, and, and a process and then knowing when to trust your gut, when to bring in an expert that when I think back to myself starting, I, I really didn't have that in a balance and I had to learn how to do that. And along the way for me definitely was going, why on earth did I take that advice? Or how did I not see that person <laughs> was coming in with a complete agenda? And I just thought, hey, someone to help. This is amazing. Um, and uh, so I love that you shared that because that really resonates with me. Uh, what about more recent years as you've, as you've, um, you know, grown as a leader and also mm. taken, you know, like you said, some incredible achievements, even at, at, you know, in Helsinki, where you are at the moment in the past four years, but in more recent years in your career, can you think of any aha moments, any, mm. any moments where you learned a different lesson um, from once again, either a big win where you went, oh, that is so true. Or another thing where you, where you went, okay, that, that was a, another favorite failure where I learned from so much from that. Any, any aha moments that, that pop into your mind? Um, I think maybe possibly when I work with parents and, you know, parents are also clients in, in an organization like ours. So maybe there's, there's some kind of, um, for those who are, who are listening, who work in a business, we're de dealing with kind of the unhappy client um, issues. In a, in, a, in a school setting, when a parent is, is upset, there's deep-seated um, kind of uh, emotional reactions that are maybe different than 
if you were un, you know, upset about your meal at, at the restaurant. Um, so it took me a long time, and this is still a developing process, as to how I take the energy of a very, very upset adult um, who is maybe highly concerned about their child. Um, and, you know, how do I handle a meeting of, uh, that is connected to an adult's past? Um, so their own school experience, um, their own projections of fears about um, their child. Um, and um, all conflated through the lens that they might have not experienced the issue, but through the lens of their child telling the experience of what might have happened on a school day. So a parent relying on the, the, um, the thoughts and perspectives of a six-year-old as to whether or not you're performing as a school well enough. So what often happens is I'm the person who um, kind of like the, 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 the parent or the client maybe has, has gone up through the chain and is unhappy where suddenly they're at my door. And so I have to take this very distraught, sometimes angry energy um, and figure out how am I going to get us to an, a place of understanding um, or solutions. And um, I, took a, I took some courses in something called cognitive coaching, um, which is used in the educational field. And um, what I learned, and this was, this was a really you know, big learning, and although it seems so, so um, maybe understandable now for those who might be coaches, but you know, when the parents came, come into my room, I am focused completely on um, setting a scene that is going to reduce, um, reduce stress of a highly stressed individual. And um, if you were to come into my office uh, where I work, uh, I, I've made my office that looks completely like somebody's living room. There's nothing in my office, not a single item, that looks like you would find in a business office. I have a, I have a beautiful blue couch that has a velvet finish to it. I have nice lighting. I have armchairs. Um, and what I do is, you know, I bring that person who's very, very upset and I sit them down as if we're going to have a conversation like we're having right now. And I am fully present and engaged with that person. And I need to remove my ego from that moment, I, I need to be the deepest listener um, I can be and not be the person who's trying to go tit for tat as to why this person is upset um, and um, try to really hear the subtext of their story to find out what they're really afraid of. And it might have absolutely nothing to do with what have, might have happened on that playground um, the day before, but trying to find um, what this client's true worries are about. Um, and I've had some meetings that I think people would, would see, if they were to record, would, would th think that are just completely insane. Um, I've, had, I've had family members tell me 
um, you know, that, um, and, and from various religious traditions about God told them this was what should happen. Um, next, I've had uh, those who completely um, turn facts um, completely upside on their head that have nothing to do with reality. Um, but I, I've got to like let that go as it's happening in the moment and just let them spew, just let them get everything out. And meanwhile, I'm mimicking their body language and I'm totally focused. So if their legs are crossed, my legs are crossed. And if, you know, their, their hands are on their knees, I have my hands on my knees and I have nothing in between us. Uh, so I, I don't want to have any kind of tables or other things or a desk. And I'm with them at that moment. Um, and I want to let them all get that all out and then be an active listener and, and repeat what I think they, they think the problem is. But at the same time, I'm, I'm actively engaged trying to figure out what their fear is. And if I can find that and I can speak to that, I can tell you like the, the tension and the stress of that room is like, it's like, it's like a balloon where it releases all the air and the person, um, has felt they've gotten everything out and I have heard. And then we can think about next steps and maybe they don't happen at that moment. But, you know, much of my job is dealing with those people at this level of stress. I, I am the final person you come to, teachers, students, parents oftentimes, um, who are highly, highly agitated. And this has been my greatest learning, that my job is just to be this person who's with them at that moment fully engaged, fully present, not trying to, to, to correct what I think are, are false pieces of false information at that moment, or that they're being, they're doing, they're, 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 they're they have distorted something, just being fully with them. And I can tell you, I've had some of the most difficult parents later become really good friends of mine um, because they finally felt that someone <laughs> fully listened and, and, and th that was everything. And that took me, wow. this is my 31st year as a leader <laughs> and it's taken me, you know, 28, 29 years to really understand what that really looks like and how to do it. That's so good. I, I think, um, I think it is like a secret source when you learn, uh, oh, and, and learning is one part when you realize, when you realize it, but learning how to do it and actually becoming when you, when you realize the power, the power in, in exactly what you expressed there, where you can truly listen and go beyond truly, um, listening and, and, um, understanding for yourself and actually get to the point where the other person, the penny drops for them and they look across and go, wow, Kathleen really gets it. Like you need, if the other person in the room with you can get to the point where they go, wow, Kathleen really hears me. That is a, like that is a better start to any, like any, any relationship, any setting, um, than nearly anything else you can do. Definitely than most things you can say. And, um, the way I've learned that I, I always say this to people about coaching is I, when I first got into coaching, I think I assumed I would get to tell people, um, you know, great advice. Jono's wonderful wisdom. And that would be incredible for people. Like I probably never said that to anyone, hopefully. Yes. Uh, but that was somewhere in my brain, you know, that I can, oh, wow, I'm going to help people so much. 
And my biggest reflection after coaching, um, you know, a lot of leaders and, and working really hard on getting better at coaching and asking at the end of every session, what, what did you find most helpful is that 90, 95% of the time, what people find most helpful is having the space and the time and the, and the questions asked back to them and, and everything you described around mirroring as well, uh, where people say, I think it was just being able to talk it out and, and feel heard. And I, I just, yeah. So I, I love that uh, revelation and, and um, it's just so powerful. I'm trying to explain it. I, I don't feel like I'm doing it justice. I think you did a great yeah. job explaining it there. It's like, it's such a secret source to be able to lead and relate to people in your life better. If you can truly uh, engage with and, and learn to do what you just described. Yeah. And it's, and I think that like you said it, it's it's powerful in all relationships. Um, I have a, I have a son who um, who really struggles with school. He has he has some challenges um, based on a, a neuro a re really rare neurological issue. And he's a super Star Wars fan. And um, I would not say that before him I was a super Star Wars fan, but I need. He needs to tell me things. And for me to relate to my 16-year-old son, I need to be a deep and active listener of everything he needs to tell me about Star Wars and an episode and or how it was filmed or um, character development. And I, I need, you know, being fully present with another person and allowing them to truly express their passion and joys and be with them. So being on the, you know, sometimes a coach is just kind of being on the side, cheerleading someone's passion um, and um, how good that feels to have somebody who truly engages with, you know, your thoughts um, is, a, is a gift. It's a gift for me to hear his, his, um, his thoughts and it's a gift for him that, you know, he has his, a mother who, who wants to listen. And, and I think that's, mm. I think that's the key for all relationships. Can you be a cheerleader for someone's passions and, um, and thoughts and put yourself aside just for a few minutes and, yeah. and how, how that's a, a precious gift for people. Yeah, that's, it's so good. I, I remember, um, it reminds me of in the simplicity of what you've just described. I, I have a, uh, a friend who is amazing. She's a, uh, a teacher in early intervention here in Australia and really gifted, like just um, really knows in terms of early intervention um, with, uh, you know, kids who are say two to five or six years old, um, who there's some acknowledgement of, of having um, uh, different, uh, different needs. And so there's this early intervention where she is often with these parents who, who are really trying to work out what to do. And, and I've learned a lot from her, but one thing that sticks with me, she was just saying, um, I remember her saying something along the lines of just when you're, uh, you know, in terms of understanding kids is to, uh, it's a bit like what you said about mirroring, but to, to get down to their level and play with them and, and do what like to, to actually play with them at, and not try to take the game in a certain direction. You know, if you're with a, a child who's yes. doing something you naturally would 
go and you'd, you'd start playing this game, but actually to sort of really look at what they're doing and try to work out how you can um, join in with, with what they're doing. Even if you don't quite understand what they're doing, actually getting down physically to their level and then actually joining in in the game that they're playing, even if they're making sort of funny noises and they're doing something to make those same noises back at them like that idea of mirroring. And it just, it just, it's so funny that just popped into my head as you were sharing that story as well, because I think, I think it's the bit, the hardest thing I've found about that. Like when I've tried to do that with, um, you know, any, any kids uh, around me, like I, my wife and I have a four week old, so there's not too many games that he can uh, play yet apart from, (laughs) apart from just starting to recognize us. That's the big game at the moment. Uh, But with, with any kids that we're around is putting aside it's funny how even that's challenging, like to put aside whatever game or book and actually go, what are they wanting to do? And how do I just join in with like into their world for a moment? And it's so simple, but it reminds me of, of this conversation. And it's a, it's a similar, like the simplicity of actually putting aside myself and my interests and trying to go, what is this like? Uh, If I can really enter into your world and understand what you love about this topic or that, it's such a meaningful thing to do and it's such a simple (laughs) you know so many expensive things you can do as a leader uh to get better at leadership and reward people and but that's something that's free to do and just takes time and uh you know intentionality i think just what you were saying i just felt like it just became a very beautiful metaphor of what coaching is really about you know, um, willing to engage and play mm. in, in someone else's world and, and not really direct it. Like you said, not coaching is not about giving advice. It's kind of like uh, entering into someone else's space and, and having them then maybe lead a path out for them, for them to self-discover um, yes. what might be their next steps. Um, and it, it is a feeling of play at times just to try to figure out um, what they're experiencing and what they're seeing and um, be willing to to enter into that space. This is, you know, a very difficult um, technique, I think, to learn as a coach. Um, yeah. And yeah, I think this, this metaphor of, you know, doing that with a three or four year old is hard. Because you're like, <laughs> I have no idea what they're thinking about at the moment. And, you know, they're off on some kind of absurdist kind of <laughs> story. And you're like, what is going on here? But like, just to be with them, like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to go along as if it was some kind of improv session um, and be willing to play in that improv. Yeah, that's, uh, oh, I love that. It's such a great, it, it is a really fun um comparison because there it's i think i think it's the challenge when you're the person listening whether it's as a coach or a leader it is such a challenge the challenge is very similar to whether it's with that three-year-old or whether it's with that person you're sitting across to hold back your own thoughts and where you want to take the conversation it's a similar you know whether it's oh why don't we play this i don't really get what they're doing or you're sitting across from someone going oh they should (laughs) so read this book um and to actually push that aside and go what yeah self-discover i love what you said there about self-discovery so much of leadership revelation and growth when i chat to leaders was self-discovery very rarely i had an aha moment when someone said such and such to me that does happen but a lot of it is in the self-discovery and if you can help facilitate that that's that's great leadership yes and so powerful just so because they come away that they feel like oh i figured it out thank you for helping me figure it out Yes. Well, I feel like um, I, I would love to invite you back for part two, Kathleen, because 
This has been such a joy to chat with you. And uh, we joked before recording about um, catching up over a real coffee at some point. We'll we'll, uh, we'll have to do that uh, that too because it's yes. been such just such a joy. And and I just love your approach to leadership. Uh, just to wrap up, let me ask Thank you a you. couple of Leadership Express questions. Are you ready? Yes. So the first one is, what's a book that you've gifted to other people or recommended a lot to other people? It was funny when you when you asked that. I was I was thinking about it, and I think the book I've gifted often enough, and this is a good one for you since you have a, you have an infant, is a book called a classic book um, called Good Night Moon by Margaret Wise Brown, which yeah. is a very very simple story for for very young children, but but that book is 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 so poetic and so. Um, has such um, good advice about how to live our lives, how to end our days. Um, and in this time of well-being crises around the world, reading that book to yourself in the evening, um, just for yourself, maybe not for your child, I think is, I think is just a very wise story um, about what's important um, and, and how to set your priorities in your life. So. Good night, Moon. It's a, a quick read, um, but I so think a good. really powerful lead. Read. It's uh, <laughs> it's funny. I I love asking for these recommendations as part of Leadership Express. I get the most interesting recommendations, but I am also building a uh, a catalog of amazing children's books that people have recommended. I've had Oh the Places You'll Go by Dr. Seuss recommended by someone. Yeah. Um, the the boy. I don't know if you've come across the boy, the mole, the fox, and the horse um which is yes. a yeah another beautiful book so i've got both of those so good night moon i'll put that on the list and uh our little boy roman i'm sure is going to get to uh to uh enjoy these books that i wouldn't have come across if i if i didn't um do this podcast so that's a wonderful recommendation thank you what about yeah. a uh now i said before we just said before that some not often is it uh where someone says something and you go that was my aha moment but sometimes it is are there any great pieces of advice that you've received where someone mentioned something, told you something, and it just stuck with you as great advice in life or leadership? Um, there's a, a woman in the edu sphere of, of Twitter and out there. Her name is Trisha Friedman, and she runs a podcast herself called Be a Better Ally. And she's interviewed me a number of times, um, and it's about LGBTQ allyship. And the, I don't know if she gave me a piece of advice, but she made me recognize that um, my voice in education about kind of this inclusive community was so incredibly needed and that people were looking to me already with some of those ideas. And I didn't realize the power of my voice until I had her really point this out to me that I was seen by some as kind of as a lighthouse she said once to me to others and i i took on that that idea very seriously because there's a, there's always a part of me that is that anonymous high schooler who's just like oh i i don't want this kind of attention i, I don't want to be the center of of something sometimes i'm a bit of an introvert um but when when she said that people were looking to me as a lighthouse I realized in the last two, three years that 
I, I need to be that for others. Um, and um, understanding that we all have that power um, to do that. And when we have it, it's, again, it's a precious gift to not, to not cast aside. And that there are people out there who see me as a, as a woman, um, as a gay leader, as um, someone who's just kind of found a strange path into leadership that that in itself is inspiration, which I think that's, and sometimes I think that just seems ridiculous. I'm just doing my job, <laughs> but um, understanding <laughs> that, um, that people need that. People need to see, say, hey, someone else did that. Um, someone listening to your podcast, hearing about, you know, just the story about my mother not finishing high school, that, yeah. that might be enough. That might be that I was able to f find a, a path um, and that there was, there's hope. And, and I, I realized through Trisha Friedman um, that I was, I was a source of hope that I, I didn't realize I was, I was holding for others. Wow. Yeah, that's wonderful. Um, and I, yeah, that's, that's, that's beautiful advice. And I think, um, I think leaders who are listening as well, just realizing that, uh, you know, the, uh, how did someone put it? Someone said a quote about this on the podcast and I can't remember what it was. It was so good. <laughs> if only I could remember it, but it was, it was something along the lines of, um, you know, as a leader, you'll, you'll say things in passing, uh, you'll say things that you'll, you'll never remember that, that people will never forget. And realizing that as a leader, yes. there's, there is an opportunity and it can go, it can go both ways. And what a wonderful, um, wonderful advice to realize actually just by doing what you're doing and being who you are, you are a lighthouse and people are looking to you. Um, that's beautiful, Kathleen. Yeah. Thank you. Okay, I'm looking at the clock, and I know it's uh, it's it's early uh, where you are, but uh, <laughs> this has been so much fun. We've just crossed the hour mark, and I did say half an hour, so uh, yes. I'd better I'd better take us to the to the finish line. Um, last question: okay. if you if you could only give one piece of leadership advice to a young leader, what would you say to them? I I think the biggest piece of advice that I I got was to run to the problems. Um, and it's, it's very easy to feel like, oh, hoping things will go away or hoping things that, um, you know, might just disappear. But if you can recognize what are the biggest problems in, in your organization, yeah, run with all of your energy towards them and try to figure out what might be solutions or changes or things you need to do. Um, putting things under the rug or like I, I can, I'll have to deal with this later is never going to serve you. Um, mm. And um, for a person, you know, newly into leadership, you're like, oh, it's the last thing I want to deal with. I can't believe I have to deal with this. And it's kind of this, always this stress around like, how, how dare that this happens to me. But this is, this is, this is the, the test over and over each day. Where are the problems? What must you run to? How can you give guidance? How can you make things better? Um, and I often say that leadership is, is uh, taking a step forward to make things better for others and recognizing the problem um, mm. is, is the most important part of all. Yeah, that's wonderful advice. Uh, well, for those who have really enjoyed hearing some of your story and also uh, some of your wisdom on leadership and they'd love to follow you online, uh, where can people find you on yes. LinkedIn or Twitter or anywhere else online, Kathleen? 
Yeah, so you can you can find me online on Twitter at at K Negley as one word K N A G L E E, and I have uh, a website as well, um, KathleenNegley.com, and uh, yeah, I love talking to people about where they're at. So I'm, I'm looking I'm looking forward to hearing from some of your listeners about interesting things that they heard and and maybe um, mm. making new friends. Absolutely. That's uh, that's wonderful. People can find you there. Well, I want to thank our listeners for uh, tuning in. This has been just a wonderful episode with Kathleen. I feel like it's brought uh, wonderful ideas and stories about leadership. And, and I'm, I always know I've really loved an episode when I'm walking away and sort of the, the brain is percolating on all the different things we talked about because it was it's just been so much fun. Uh, don't forget, I also have the John O. White Leadership Podcast and the Leadership Question of the Day podcast where you can go to invest in your leadership as well. But I want to finish today by saying a massive thank you uh, to you, Kathleen, for getting up so early on the other side of the world to me um, and um, and just, yeah, being not only uh, so wise, and I just love your approach to leadership, and I, th I think you are going to encourage a lot of people, even just in what you shared today, but also just being so much fun to, to spend time with. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Now, it's been a real joy, Jono, and I want to thank you for all the, the things you're doing for others for this podcast as well. I know it's it's a source of inspiration and, and guidance for, for people around the world, so thank you for the service you're giving to others as well. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast as much as I did. If you're joining us for the first time, don't forget to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there, including our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from all over the world in all different roles, in different industries, answer these seven questions on leadership and leaders give these in-depth answers around how they spend their time, uh, a book that's been significant for them. It's just a gold mine. It's completely free to access. So go to consultclarity.org and look for that. We'd also love to interview you about your leadership. I believe your experience, your life, your context means that you have advice on leadership that other leaders can learn from. Yes, you, if you're going, not me. Well, no, I really believe you would have something to add. So if you're looking for a way to give back, it's completely free to get involved. And we would love to interview you through the seven questions on leadership. You just go to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest or Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form and get involved. We have a free resource on our website called the Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57-page ebook, 10 world-class leaders giving their thoughts on leadership, and that's completely free. It's available on our homepage, consultclarity.org, right at the top. So make sure you go and get that and download it today. And we have a free daily email that you can subscribe to. We send this out to over 15,000 leaders from around the world. And uh, it contains the highlights of content from our podcasts, our blogs, um, our books, books we're reading. It's got the best content and it gives you exclusive, limited, early access to our masterclasses, workshops, new products, special offers. It's all for our subscribers. You can go to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe and join 15,000 other leaders. 
And you know, my gift to you is to work really hard, particularly through the Leadership Conversations podcast. I have been blown away by the quality of the leaders and I'm learning as much as anyone in doing these interviews. So I'm having a great time. And my gift to you is to keep lining up the best leaders I can to invest in your leadership. Your gift to me, if you're finding this helpful, there is something that you could do that would help us out massively. And that is to write a review and to leave a rating for our podcast or wherever you're watching or listening to this. I can't tell you how much that helps us out. Also subscribe or follow. It really does make a difference in helping us to help more leaders become everything they're meant to be. Another thing that means a lot to me personally is when I see our community share our content. So if you do share this or any other piece of content on social media, then thank you and and please do that. And look for me, John O. White, or clarity and tag us in your post. Our team is always looking for posts to engage with from our community. And there's also a chance that we'll share your content uh, to go beyond and share it with our followers. Last of all, you can check out my book. It's called Step Up or Step Out, How to Deal with Difficult People Even If You Hate Conflict. I wrote this book because 50% of the coaching sessions I have with leaders, this topic comes up again and again and again. And it's this idea of how do I have this difficult conversation? How do I lead this person better when I'm finding them difficult? Or in some cases you look and you say, I think I might be leading a difficult person. They're just quite difficult to lead or I'm finding them quite difficult to lead. So there's a three-step process that I unpack in step up or step out. And the amazing thing, and I've literally done this myself and I've heard it anecdotally from other leaders as I've coached them, is that if you follow this process, you will see that person step up and change their behavior or make a decision, which is to step out some of the time. Uh, 95% of the time, people will step up or step out in just four weeks. And I stand by that. It's uh, You have to read the book to understand, but uh, I really do believe in it and I've experienced it firsthand. It works. So you can go to Amazon, look up Step Up or Step Out John O. White or store.consultclarity.org forward slash book. Well, thank you so much for listening. We're going to be back with a new episode next time of the Leadership Conversations podcast. And I hope today has helped you to take another step towards becoming the leader you're meant to be. See you next time.